Welcome back to the MGO Fish Podcast. I'm David Arnold, your host. With me, as always, Stephen Asentoski. Find him on Twitter at Stephen Toski. Stephen, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. How, how are your How are your uh, How are your evening, your Thursday evening escapades going? I see you got your glass of wine here, as always. Glass of wine in my Pokemon uh, coffee mug. Got my cup of coffee in my Liverpool coffee mug. Um, a super classy, B <laughs> super hyped up on all the drugs. You got caffeine <laughs> and alcohol. Bada Wait, bing, what, bada boom. what Pokemon is on the mug? That's the million dollar question here. The million dollar question, psych, it's a Pokemon um, Pokeball. It's oh, Pokemon. No, okay. No, but if, if I had to choose one. Oh, here we go. Easily. The best Pokemon, no doubt, 100% Charizard. Nah. All the way. So no, Steven, I'm Blastoise. I think I'm Blastoise. We, we were both the same, right around the same age, right around yep. the Pokemon, the first generation Pokemon. Sure. So, so you're a Blastoise guy, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I started, man. If you start with with Charmander right away, that first boss is always a nightmare. You yeah. got the Rock type Brock. He'll just he'll take you out. It's it's just tough. You got Water type right away. Start off nice and easy. Well, I don't know, man. Let me let me tell you. I, I was five years old when the very first generation came out. You you probably had a few years yet. You were still like two or three when it first came to America. Um, yeah. So, so you got to learn from older people about what to expect. I didn't. For Christmas, when I was five, my parents got me a Game Boy Color. And then, and then they had each set of grandparents get me Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and then they got me Pokemon Yellow. Not knowing any better. True story. Uh hopefully people dude you could catch them all though oh well, were... <laughs> i did I, I here's the thing i didn't know any better i spent the entire day of christmas i played half an hour of pokemon blue then i played half an hour of pokemon red and then i played half an hour of pokemon yellow not realizing that they're the same exact game <laughs> you're like what what is going on here no, like, am i going no, crazy no i no in, in my in my pure ignorant bliss as a five-year-old i didn't realize what was yeah. happening um, so <laughs> I, I ended up sticking with Pokemon Red as my very first game I ever played. And uh, okay. of course I went with Charizard. Yep. Charizard was the guy I went with. Yep. And I just think he's the best. And then if you watch the anime as well, I mean, he's just got the best character arc of any of the Pokemon. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That, that Pokemon movie, I remember that year 2000. Holy cow, man. Yeah. Oh. I had like a birthday party and we watched that and like, whew. That was next level. Then you got got to get the uh, the Togepi golden card from Burger King. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Oof, that's bringing me back. We, Let, we let's get back to football. This we, is aging me. We we just lost about 150 <laughs> of our, like 300 <laughs> listeners. I'm so sorry. And you made me feel old. Oof. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Woof. Uh, oh, especially woof because I just took my six year old daughter to go see <laughs> the Pokemon movie. And I was expecting it to be awesome. It wasn't awesome. It was no, terrible. I was no. a, after watching Spy, Into the Spider Verse, which yeah. is like an Academy Award winning movie. The Pokemon movie that just came out this spring is literally just an episode of Power Rangers with Pokemon <laughs> CGI'd in. That's all it is. Oh, like it, it's it's not good. It's terrible. All right. Well, but you know, I'll definitely go to the next one because yeah. CGI Pokemon is the best. Still. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, well, now that <laughs> well, we're that's done, it. that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, the Pokemon segment. <laughs> okay, oh, better question here for all the clickbaiters out there. 
what Pokemon would Jim Harbaugh be if he could be a Pokemon? Oh, God. I hate that. And oh. I could totally see that showing up on Twitter tomorrow. All the clicks. And not blink an eye. All the clicks. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, I need a real answer before we Oh, you on. need a real answer? I need a real answer. What Pokemon would he be? Oh, geez. Like, maybe maybe Alakazam or something crazy. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, Geodude. Geodude? <laughs> Machamp, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he's not. Yeah, he's not quite buff. Enough. Yeah, he's not yoked enough. I, th- like I think he's hard-headed. That there, there is a real listicle there. <laughs> Co- giving every head coach in the P fives their own Pokemon. You're onto something here. You're onto something. <laughs> millionaire, millionaire dollar idea right there. <laughs> all the clicks. You know, inst- that'll be the next podcast. Instead we'll- of instead of writing about all of the Jim Harbaugh drama about things he said that really aren't that offensive or, yes. or transfers that really aren't that controversial. Yep. Just compare him to all the different Pokemon and explain why. And you've got, you've got all the clicks still, and then you can keep things better. Keep, keep things healthy. Keep yep. it fun. That's right. You can compare to other coaches, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think you got it, man. You gotta, you gotta kick this off. Get it yeah. going. Um, Bra- <laughs> Brady Hoke. Not Snorlax. Don't don't say that, no, Steven. No. Uh, Mr. Mime, with the Ooh. hand with the hand clapping. That's that's my. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like Drowsy. Drowsy as well. <laughs> kind of looks like a Drowsy. Definitely, I don't know. Definitely. <laughs> like like Nick Saban, Dabo. Uh, that there it is, man. There it is. <laughs> we really do need to talk Michigan football. Though. Speaking of Machamp, you know who's really bulked up in the off season? Not Avery Thomas. Who? Who? No, Brad Hawkins. <laughs> Brad Hawkins. That was a joke because Ambry Thomas has lost a lot of weight. I know. <laughs> For the people out there who think I'm stupid. Uh, Brad Hawkins, looking good, looking like an NFL prospect. I like the transition there. You're, you're becoming a radio pro. <laughs> I'm Steven. learning from the best here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. All of a sudden, Brad Hawkins is getting talk. Sam Webb thinks he might be, you know, a special athlete this year. He's been quietly talking him up. We... We even kind of quietly talked him up as someone we thought might be good, you know, better as compared to his reputation last year. Fill us in, Stephen. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Sam Webb, I know he, he had some talk today about how he's really emerging kind of – we knew going into the season he would be at the free safety position. Obviously, Josh Metellus has the other safety position down. But then it was kind of, you know – focus was on Dax Hill uh, of filling in immediately at the other safety spot left by Tyree Kinnell. Um, but yeah, Brad Hawkins has kind of always sat there, you know, he got, I don't know how many snaps last year, but definitely uh, a good chunk, but he wasn't a starter. He was the clear number three starter. And it seems like he's just kind of fallen off the radar. So I know we, when we were talking about the safeties, I brought him up on a couple categories or I thought he'd get some interceptions and a decent amount of run. Um, and then, yeah, it was funny just to see that that article pop up about him, uh, that he's getting a lot of chatter. And then, um, yeah, I think I think it's most interesting part about it is that he's uh, going to be the number one nickel safety. So, like, his coverage is seen to be a big upgrade over what we had last year from that position. So that bodes really, really well, especially, you know, we'll, we'll get to Ambry Thomas. But that that is, I think, the most comforting aspect that i've heard from brad hawkins well so i have two thoughts that really dominate my thinking when you're talking that time the first um first off 
Brad Hawkins, just the way he he runs his 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 gait, the size of of Brad Hawkins reminds me of a mix between Jabril Peppers and Demonte Thomas, and, and j- I just mean from like the body shape, size, and, and I say that because he looks like an NFL player. Yeah, that's the thing I think. Even watching him in high school when he was a wide receiver, and then seeing him at the college level, he. I don't know if he just wears the shoulder pads thicker than most players. He he looks like a a guy who's built, right? Yep. He's just very built. You know, you see some guys who are really slender coming in. You see some guys who might be like on the fatter side of things. Brad Hawkins looks thick without looking fat. You know, yeah. you know, he looks he's always just had this build that's just pure athlete. Um, yep. and I that reminds me of Jabril Peppers and Demonte Thomas, two different scales of production at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, right. But but at the same time, you know, Josh Furman, maybe even, maybe even along those lines, but just pure athleticism wise, a guy who has the elite P5 talent that you would hope for in a Michigan player, a Michigan recruit. Yeah. Um, clearly the talent to be a star wide receiver in high school, a four star wide receiver in high school, uh, clearly the work ethic to be told, no, you're not going to be accepted into Michigan. You're going to go to a JUCO. Uh, or, or he might have gone to a private school for a fifth year of high school. Yeah, it was a prep school. Yeah, I don't prep know school. exactly what it was. So, yeah. so, but he did it. He he did it. He got he got academically ready. You know, when he could have gone to a different P five school, you know, Rutgers would have taken him in a second. Um, that's one thought. The second thought, though, you know, this cup half full, cup half empty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All this talk about him being being a nickel guy. All this positive talk coming out of camp that he he's really excelling. With how thin our depth chart is at, at corner, with how thin our depth chart is covering, especially, you know, we got exposed against Ohio State last year, and then we lost a lot of talent. I'm worried that the only reason they're talking up Brad Hawkins is because no one else has stood out, period. Not that Brad Hawkins is excelling, but more that Brad Hawkins is doing what's asked of him where everyone else is subpar of what's being asked of them. Yeah, that's I, fair. I think a real distinct possibility is that Brad Hawkins is an at completely average to slightly below average cover guy, nickel guy, safety, and everyone else is just falling behind. We, we, we've seen what's happened at the corner position. The recruits have not panned out the way we wanted them to. Uh, you know Kelly Powell, the the German mm-hmm. German twins. What? Yep. German is German. German. Yeah? German, yeah. Um, or German Green. Yeah, the green. 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 That's a Green is go. what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Yep. Thank yep. you. Um, I'm worried that it's the lack of talent at the corner position that is causing Brett Hawkins to look or 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 the coaches to talk him up. More yeah. than anything. And that's a major concern for me. What are your thoughts on that, Stephen? Yeah, I think that's that's generally fair. Um you know, there are, there just aren't enough bodies to compare against. Couple things that I think do combat that point of view is we know the accolade Staxton Hill comes in with. He was, you know, he played a lot of corner out of high school. His testing numbers uh were better than most NFL corners and safeties so the ability for him as a pure cover guy doesn't take a whole lot of coaching i think the number one thing holding back daxon hill 
is that it's a complex or I'm sorry, it's a complex defense. It takes time under Don Brown to actually get a handle of that, especially if you're going through the bridge program, you have a bunch of classes. It's a huge workload as soon as you get into the programs. But well, you know, Stephen, the the Southern SEC schools, the beat writers <laughs> at least, don't think we recruit smart people, or apparently people without work ethics. You know, all this drama about, about, about this book that they're 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 picking one line, two lines out of these John U. Bacon books. Which no, I'm gonna do it, Stephen. Just give me, just say. give me my space. You know, the funny thing is, I ranted to Stephen for a solid three, four minutes before the podcast that I did not want to talk about this. But let's do it right now because we're actually talking okay. football. We're starting with football. Okay. The, Let's these get into it. SEC beat writers are, are are picking one two lines out of a book, and they're yep. saying, "Oh, let's get clicks out of this. Let's do yep. it." No, no. Okay, I understand why you got to do it. I understand, but it's so pithy of them. Like in this world that we live in in 2019, with all of the drama and crap we have to deal with from everywhere else, don't don't bemoan. Because a coach and a program are trying to set a higher standard. Even if you think it's BS, be be free. By all accounts, think it's BS. I'll tell you what. People built up Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Four or five years, Hugh Freeze didn't build his program on academics. He didn't no. even try to base his program on academics. He tried to build his program on faith, religion, and good morals. Yep. That's not what Harbaugh is doing. <laughs> Harbaugh is trying to say, hey, I want the best athletes, and I want to try to do it cleanly. Yep. This is what I'm trying to do. He's not He's not trying to say, oh, my God, whatever we do wrong, we're going to be saved by the grace of God. <laughs> he's saying, if we study hard, if we work the right way, things will work out. We want to take guys who have offers from Ivy League schools, and we want to make them into football players. We want to make yep. them into men. He's not asking for the easy route of grace. He's asking for the, the hard route of hard work and the work ethic. And yeah. my God, that pisses people off from the South. My God. Help but me. I, th- I think the issue, the main issue I have, because you, you nailed it where it was just a complete out of context. The quote that they took was, uh, Harbaugh said, it's tough to beat the cheaters. And it left it at that. And if you take it in the context all right, what's the context? It's in recruiting. Y'all, he ain't so, even talking but, about the SEC schools. He's talking about the Big Ten school that recruits like the SEC. But it, it, regardless of who the programs are, we know there's been assertions that uh, that Rashawn Gary was offered 300K. Yeah, not even an SEC school. I can no. promise you that it was not an SEC school. Right. Cough, but, cough, Clemson, cough, cough, yeah. Clemson, but, Clemson, 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 Davos, <laughs> Winnie, Clemson. But what I didn't hear which program. There's no. too much coffee in there. Uh, I, I was just saying how delicious my coffee, Clemson yes. coffee was. Yes, exactly. Just, um, just, just a dabbo of uh, Snickers creamer there. Just a the, dabbo uh, of it, though. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I love me. when you get fired up here. I love it. The, well, just, uh, just wait till football season. I know. I'll I know. Shut I'm up right. Now. Go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> so the issue I have is the number one comments that you saw on the t- on the tweet. The quote was just. It, it's hard to beat the cheaters. Number one response you heard was, shouldn't he focus on beating Ohio State? Or maybe you should focus on, like, beating teams in the Big Ten, which, like, like 
shows that people don't even click into where the quote came from, it's, it's too what the context easy. was. Yeah, it's too it, it really was. It takes it, it takes five seconds to understand the context, and people don't want the context. And it's those people that drive this exact sort of journalism, whatever. It's those people who won't go that extra step to say, oh, that's kind of misleading. You know, that's all it takes. You know what the best part is, Stephen? The people that have the one-liners that drive this type of journalism, and this is an existential, not even sports comment. The people that drive this type of journalism to exist, the people that make these quippy one-liners about literally everything from Mm -hmm. socialism to Jim Harbaugh. Yep. They don't even click the links. These people make clickbaits. Clickbaity titles, clickbaity articles, clickbaity tweets. The people that make the, make the quips don't even click through the links to get to the advertising. I promise right. you, they don't. Right. They just they just retweet with a comment. Exactly. No one actually clicks on you know. So, so it it drives whatever you want to call it. Twitter engagement. Right. Twitter Twitter engagement does not always necessarily represent the the listens or the clicks you know, on the articles. Yes. But you know, you know, the statement where like the loudest people are often the president? ones that are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think president is right. But, yeah. but like the loudest people are the people who don't, who don't click into it and say like, Oh yeah, this is bogus. The people who just spout off and kind of just grasp at this narrative that's created from the title are the ones who share or, I guess goad people to be like, wait, what? Like, what is this? The, the actual curious people who are uh, who are intrigued on finding what the actual truth of this quote is. That's the majority. But the people who are the loudest are going to have a higher percentage of actually sharing it without the actual investigation. It's infuriating. So, so like, so half of me, half of me just wants people to understand the context of everything. Yes. I am a law student. I mention this every podcast. It's insufferable. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry it's insufferable. Make it quick. <laughs> I, I know. It's so insufferable. Half of me wants people to understand the context. The other half of me really wants Michigan just to go 12-0, make a playoff, not even win the national title, Stephen, but can I tell you a dream scenario? I don't even care if they win the national title. Make the playoff and just win, either beat Alabama or Clemson. I don't care. Sure. And, and then they can even lose in the national title game. Just make the national title game, but beat one of those two in a playoff. Because if you beat Ohio State and then win a playoff game against one of those two, just the amount of of pure like middle fingers in the air towards those people would just be so glorious. And until, yeah. until Harbaugh actually beats Ohio State, the gloating is going to always be insufferable on Twitter. Yep. But, you know, Dabo Swinney going 0-5 against South Carolina to start his career at Clemson will always give me hope. I'm going to cling on to that hope. I don't care. I've got nothing else to cling on to at this point. <laughs> I've got no hope for humanity. I've got no hope for SEC beat writers. <laughs> so here I am. That's that's my rant. We should go back to football, but I'll let you end if you want to, if you want to say anything. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, the only other thing that I had about kind of that quote was – People are also saying like he should just shut up and coach football. Uh-huh. This was a book. This was a book a while ago, and he's asked by John U. Bacon, you know, a, a very credible source inside of Michigan football, very renowned uh, person, just in the media in general, very respectable guy. 
has here he is have, having an interview with Harbaugh probably months, if not years in the yeah, past. This is not football season. Yeah. And then it gets brought to light as part of a promotion item. You can't blame Johnny Bacon for this. But anyways, it's people who are saying he should just not talk like that. It, it infuriates me. People's, people's logic to get to the air to the to the complaints or the criticisms they have. It just it. It blows my mind. This it is blows the, my mind. the last thing I'll say. The same you, you find the same people who criticize. Okay, there are people online who criticize the trolls that say stick to sports, and they say do not stick to sport. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to hear the stick to sports. We're going to talk about the things we need to talk about. Then Jim Harbaugh comes out and says these things, and the same people who who are pro not sticking to sports all of a sudden say. Harbaugh should stick to sports. Yep. Harbaugh should just shut up and coach. Yep. And that's so hypocritical. And also, another thread, Tom Kaepernick played for one specific coach when he was very successful. Yep. That was Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is blunt. He tells the truth like it is, and he encourages everyone to tell the truth like it is, how yep. they see it. He he did not, you know, he let his players take, take a knee, you know, during that whole situation a few seasons ago. That happened. Jim Harbaugh was very public in being an activist for for um, representation of people that need it in the in the legal system. Mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh is very active in promoting transfers to get a one time transfer without sitting out. Harbaugh is about the right things. He's very much yeah. about the problem is he's all he's also very blunt about being about the right things. Yeah, that makes a lot of people annoyed, and also yep. it gets a lot of clicks. Or end yep. of the day, because a lot of it does, it does. Okay. Speaking speaking of clicks, another thing about Brad Hawkins, apparently it, the defense has clicked for him. Oh, no. so, oh, <laughs> that was a rough. One. That was a rough. One. I like, but no, I like that, it. I like it. So, so to go back to the original question of I, why, I, I thought you were going to say think... Ambry Thomas and Brad Hawkins were forming a click. Oh, go no. ahead, go, go ahead, go ahead, continue. Brad Hawkins. So, so yeah. Your your concern was that there weren't enough bodies and he's only standing out because of the lack of other bodies. Um, I think he's getting a lot of run against really good offensive players and a good offensive system that requires quite a bit of solid, I would say, defensive foundation where you have the knowledge you're not thinking while you're operating. It's just known to you. That takes time. It, it's probably taken him a bit longer than some but it, it seems like he's gotten there because sure you can say someone's performing really well. You don't get chatter of like, he might leave early to the NFL. You don't get that unless like, I don't like that's probably a stretch, but you don't get even that kind of chatter if you're not doing something right. But well, I, well, I, if you're a starter at the University of Michigan, you're at least, you should at least be expected to be a sixth or seventh round draft pick at the very least. It's okay to go, like, it's acceptable to go undrafted because the measurables and everything. But if you're a starter at Michigan, you're at least going to get some chatter about being a mid-round draft pick. That's the only thing I would, I would counter with that. Fair. There's a big difference between leaving early and being a sixth or seventh round pick. Fair. Ben, Ma- Fair. ben Mason isn't going to leave early. But could he turn into a sixth or seventh round defensive tackle? I wouldn't hold it against him. Let me him. tell you what: if they're running the triple option in the NFL, <laughs> Ben Mason might be a second round pick as a junior. I'm just fair enough. That out there. Fair yeah. enough. Maybe Lamar Jackson. 
Yeah. Might might need one if John Harbaugh stays with the Ravens, you know? Okay. Right. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So final thing about Hawkins, since Daxon Hill hasn't been getting a whole lot of talk in the nickel safety role, which I think is more uh, more athleticism driven than knowledge driven, because I'm sure Daxon Hill is behind in terms of defensive knowledge as a safety, takes a lot, and he's already behind since he's in the bridge program, takes a lot of work. So I am buying Brad Hawkins uh, even before this, but now after this sort of chatter, I'm even more on board and extremely pleased to hear how he's doing in coverage, which uh, obviously we we know the result of of that not being up to par uh, from last year. So, so I have, so. I have two different you know one track my mind is positive about this one track is negative. I, I'll choose the positive because I try to always choose the positive here. Sure. Um, we asked in the defensive questionnaire, which people should fill out if they haven't yet, we're going to leave it up until the Middle Tennessee State game, who is going to get more snaps, whether Daxon Hill or Brad Hawkins are going to get more snaps. Because when I was making the questionnaire, I viewed them as kind of competing for playing time directly against each other, which, yep. still, which still is true you know, for certain positions, posi- uh, positionally, I should say. Yep, yep. However, with this kind of turn and development, the positive talk about Brad Hawkins and the lack of, of coverage talk from the corners. I initially thought they'd be competing, you know, maybe a near 50, 50 split or like more or less one is significantly taken away from the other's playing time. This seems like they could both be seeing the field at the same time. Yeah. Significantly more than I would have expected. And I think probably significantly more than most people would would have expected. Whether it's because of the lack of development at corner or the, or it's the genuine you know talent come to fruition success of Brad Hawkins plus the pure athleticism of Daxon Hill. Right. It, it could be either, it could be both. Taking a little bit of the negative, taking a little bit of the positive, I'd prefer to see them both on the field at the same time if Don Brown can make it work. And to be fair, I have all the faith in Don Brown. You know, yep. he, he's going to do what's best. Even if he has a weak class at corner, we've talked about this. I've said this. I guarantee you, no matter how poor this cornerback you know, depth chart is right now, it's mm-hmm. still better than whatever he had at Boston College. I, I just yeah. I can't imagine it not being better. Yeah. So, so yeah, no. basically against everyone that's not Ohio State and maybe Penn State slash Notre Dame, you know, we should be fine in that sense. So. Right. Yep. No, nope, that's fair. And I think um, it'll be interesting because from what we've heard about Ambry Thomas, and I'll let you talk about that a little bit. Well, let's switch, um, o- let's switch over yeah. now. T- tell me, Ambry Thomas, I-, I want you to talk about it because you're the sure. man who knows. You know, I'm, I'm off reading law books while you're actually doing fun <laughs> stuff. Um, Ambry Thomas here pronounced on Twitter, which was a correct word uh, yeah. for the definition that someone else tweeted as a reply that he correctly used the word pronounce, um, <laughs> pronounced on Twitter that he is coming back. He's at, he's at practice practicing right now, uh, yep. which as of last week, you know, even early this week, we're kind of like, I don't think he's going to play this year. But all of a sudden, it looks like he is. So, so tell yeah. me, Stephen, what's happened? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. Dude has a colon of steel or <laughs> intestines <laughs> of steel. I don't know. So, definitely a turnaround. People were like hoping he would be back by middle of the season. His colon is a jackhammer, Stephen. <laughs> it doesn't take a day off. 
It's a new sentence. No one's ever said that. No, Jim, <laughs> I'm sure Jim Harbaugh said that at some point in time. I, we'll see. We'll have to we'll have to get him on here and ask him. That's, right. That's, right. <laughs> That's the first question. But no. Uh, so yeah, he's he's back up to like 185 pounds. Um, it's looking like he could be back uh, by the bye week. Even I don't know how like quickly they'll get him up to speed with the ones. Um, you know, I, I think the goal would be if you're confident enough with Gray, especially Middle Tennessee State please Army. Be good. Please be good. Please be good. I know. But Army, you know, as scared as we are of Army. We're going to have two corners on the field. Our corners should be okay. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> against Army. If they're not good against Army, then we're in bigger trouble than we thought. We're so. in Rich Rod 2008 territory. Oh, 2009 man, yeah. territory. Jordan Kovacs. <laughs> I love Kovacs, man. He was great. He'll be a coach at some point at Michigan, yeah. I'm sure. That'd be awesome. But uh, so I think it's it's really good. Even if he can get in, back into too deep, uh, you know, after the bye week, that'd be huge to, to have him for the rest of the year. But um, but yeah, that's that's just something that I don't think anyone was really expecting. It's just like, well, everyone's trying to live with the absence of Thomas. You know, there's been good talk about DJ Turner, JK, JKP. Uh, has still been kind of not really talked about. Vincent Gray was kind of talked about a bit, but then has kind of gone silent. So it's really been trying to come to terms with like, who's going to be the guy? And it's just like kind of nothing. So uh, I think it, it eases uh, a lot of minds to have just a second known uh, quantity like that's assuredly going to be back at some point this season where before it was like, like you were saying, might make sense to have a redshirt. So well, it's a big, a big shift. You just, you don't learn about someone's intimate medical history slash details, current injury, unless it's more serious than initially was led to believe. Especially, yeah. especially in the Harbaugh, Saban, Dabo era. You just don't hear about that kind of stuff unless it really is way more serious than first expected. Yeah, programs don't release that kind of information. You know, that's HIPAA stuff. That you, you just don't, unless you're trying to prepare the fan base to be kind of like, don't expect this guy. You know, yeah, this isn't really going to happen. Yeah. So, so hearing that he had ulcerative colitis, which just sounds terrible. Um, yeah, I definitely marked him off. I was like, oh, this is a lost year for Ambry, and quite frankly, it still might be. I mean, that seems like the type of diagnosis that ju just doesn't like go away instantly. So he might just be battling it the best he can. Um, let's wait and see. I really hope the best for Ambry. He's such a pure talent. I mean, he's just so talented athletically. Yeah. Um, and he could really help this defense. Uh, and I mean, you know, kick returner, he, he showed great success. You know, they've even had him on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so, so the sooner he's back, at full playing strength, the better. Yep. I just, I just, I would still worry. I, I try to hold him out and only play him as minimally as possible until he's absolutely a hundred. Yep. So, yeah. And and hopefully that gives someone like uh, Gray or DJ Turner some experience to just kind of prove themselves or just you know trial by fire. Um, you know, it, it's. I feel like it's really hard for a cornerback to get. Uh, exposure or to like really grow into the role because I felt like um, after Jordan Lewis it kind of felt like well we have Long and Hill and who are these guys just, and then they they showed up and they were great instantly like, great yeah yeah but they came out of nowhere you know you don't really get a whole lot of like 
like seasoning, you know, well, it defense, is. Yeah. Oh, it's one of those things where if you're, if you're top of the charts, you know, on the spark score, you know, at the opening, we've talked about this a little bit before it's a, out of all of the positions in college football, I think corner back might be mm-hmm. the smoothest transition from sure thing, four and five star to sure thing, all conference starter nearly right away because it's just a pure athletic thing. If you can cover a guy man to man as a true freshman, you're going to be seeing the field and you're going to be, you know, really skilled. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, like teams scheme around whether or not their guys are man to man corners or if they're not good enough instinctually and they have to play zone. Like, right. like that's, and that's a just pure thing. And the thing is Michigan at very first, you know, David Long and, um, Lavert Hill were both four-star guys. Yep. Instantly came in and contributed right away. And then Harbaugh took this class last year that was basically all three stars. And they're all Richard Sherman-esque, you know, lengthy guys. You know, maybe this is the future of football. And it looks like, no, they're kind of three stars for a reason. Right? And they're kind of all flaming now. You know, Miles Sims, the only four-star, I think, of the group, already transferred. Um that's that's the one position. If you don't instantly have that talent, you're really going to see it right away. Yeah. Right. So so that's something to think about, I guess. Um, it, it is amazing how Michigan did transition pretty smoothly, you know, from Jordan Lewis into the next round of guys and wave of guys. Um, yep. Anyways, okay. Let let's let's move this along a little bit and talk and talk uh, about something else here. Well, actually, you know what. Let me let me stop that for a second. You know who they really are going to get a lot of experience, and we're gonna know right away just how bad or slash good this cornerback depth is, and we're not expecting a lot of it. But the Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. State game, they're they're a spread it out system. You know, Stephen, and that's something that really worries me. We're gonna talk a lot more about Middle Tennessee State next week. Uh, in fact, I have someone kind of planned right now to from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to to preview the team. But they're going to be spread out four or five wide, and I guarantee you the very first play is going to be crossing route. Crossing route, crossing route, crossing route, just like the Ohio State game, and a lot like the Florida game. Are you worried that a team like that might be able to expose Michigan right away, Steven? I don't know about that, because what will Michigan be playing against all the time? I mean, it'll be they'll be ready for uh, like up-tempo offenses. They'll be ready for kind of spread offenses. So I think it's Given the lack of talent Middle Tennessee State uh, will have, it'll ease a lot of that um, that tension there. You know, it's not like you're you're having these Power Five athletes out there to match up against. So I think there will be some struggles, but they're I think they're going to take quite a bit of a hit this year. Their their projected S and P rank is like 104th, so that's in you know well in the lower wow. or, quarter wow. of the uh, of the country. Um, their defense is actually projected to be better than their offense. Um, and I think they're projected to win like five games or so. And that's, uh, you know, the, their non-conference schedule is, is okay with, with Michigan, Duke and Iowa. But, uh, besides that, they're not playing a whole bunch of I don't know, five, five wins and having that out of conference schedule. Cause you just chalked that up to be an and three. That doesn't sound too bad. You know, you're, you're really going five and five and four in conference. I, I yeah. always I'm I'm always skeptical of 
G5 S&P Plus ratings because I just think it can turn over so quickly. Um, yeah. I, I, I worry about the schematics of everything. My biggest fear, Stephen, and I guess we will go more into this next week, so, so I'll be quick about it. I'm always worried about the early opponents like Middle Tennessee State and Army. Very different ends of the spectrum, but yeah. exposing one or two flaws that eventually can be used against Michigan later on. I think of the Northwestern game last year and how Northwestern dinked and dunked every single drive against Michigan and was pretty successful early on. Yep. Northwestern's success, I think, directly contributed to Ohio State's game plan. I, I think you're connect any games to Ohio State being like, hey, we can do this successfully. It was the Northwestern game. Where Clayton Thorson and those Northwestern guys, they didn't really score a lot. You know, I don't I, I think they scored maybe seventeen points, but they were driving the ball consistently and it was all three, four yard passes, five, six yard passes. Um so I worry about that schematically. Yeah. Uh, to start the season. Yeah, I, I think it's honestly the best I think so if you're comparing like Army versus Middle Tennessee State, obviously very different teams. But if I were to start with one of those teams, it would have to be Middle Tennessee State because they they lost their quarterback. They lost a lot of their wide receiver production. Um, but they're still going to run that offense, and they still have good uh, – a couple pretty decent uh, Power 5-level coordinators in Franklin and Schaefer. So um, so I think they have like whoa, a good – Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who are their coordinators? Franklin and Schaefer. Like Scott Schaefer? Oh. Like former, I think it is. I think Middle yeah, Tennessee State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Schaefer, he's a Middle Tennessee State defensive coordinator. Yeah. We are going to definitely talk about this next week. I mean, that's a former Michigan assistant right there. That's yep, former a, Stanford, Michigan. Former Syracuse, Syracuse head coach. Head coach. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, Scott Schaefer is Middle Tennessee yeah. State's defensive coordinator. Yeah. And, and my Bowling Green State University Falcons is stuck with with Louisville's former defense coordinator, the worst defense coordinator in NCAA history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he's not going to be there for long. So well, like, I think this might be a second or third. I think I might remember this now. I think this might be a second year, but still that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think it's like the offense it, it's Tony Franklin is the offensive coordinator. Former and... Maryland head coach guy who <laughs> is that more Maryland's former head coach. Is that where he was from? I think so. That sounds right. The guy who replaced who, who James Franklin was the head coach in waiting, and then then he took the Vanderbilt job. Yeah. And then Tony Franklin took the job at Maryland, and then flamed out. What? Scott yep. Schaefer and Tony Franklin and Middle Tennessee State. That is the coordinators. Yep. That is mind. We are going so, to do this next week. Big yeah. Holy so God. like, I think it's going to be really. The thing I'm really excited about is the film because with the offense they run, you're going to test Michigan, both both Michigan's offense and defense. You're going to get a ton of good film against lesser talent. But even so, lesser talent means you'll be able to correct mistakes on the field really quickly. See, you know? this this is where the video highlight guy comes in. Who's going to yeah. be excited about the film, Stephen? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Ohio <laughs> State's head coach. Right, they and maybe Greg Madison. They're gonna be the ones excited about the film. No, no, no. You catch it early. You know, you catch it early against a team that isn't really gonna threaten. Yeah. You know, it's a team that isn't gonna be doing a whole lot in terms of threatening a victory here. But That's they fair. have fair. the coordinators. They have the type of offense that Michigan wants to prep against. So I think it's a really, really good team. 
right away, especially like you said, with Michigan's deficits at cornerback safety is still uh, a little bit of a question in coverage. So I think getting that on film against lesser talent, but good coordinators, uh, means it'll it'll be a really good learning experience that's fair and, you know I bought, yeah. i've bought in you've sold me <laughs> you're, you're, you're all in me a little bit. yeah let's go let's go wow. I, I don't i don't it didn't take much it's, it's <laughs> there, there's like a six month seventh month um exodus i have after college football season because yeah. traditionally michigan loses to ohio state Yep. and then loses the bowl game they play in just just, and then you pretty, just pretty regularly and and after after that bowl game man I'm just like I don't want to touch college football for six seven months yep. and, th- and then July 4th happens my birthday comes right smack dab in the middle of the week where NCAA football used to be released <laughs> so my birthday present for like six seven years as a teenager as a as a teenager slash early teen or early adult, would be my dad would go with me. Then I would go to to GameStop to get NCAA football at midnight, right? Take it home, play it, whatever, nice. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah. So, so that space between losing the bowl game and getting NCAA football would just be cleansed of college football. Right. And I'm back into it now, man. I'm I'm back every year. I get I get sold again on how how Michigan's gonna beat Ohio State, and this is the time of year where I'm like, yeah, it's gonna happen. You just sold me. You convinced me. It's gonna happen. There you that go, Stephen. Yeah. All right, man. Let's let's wrap this up here pretty soon. What was your what was your tradition? Did you buy every new NCAA football game? So I was super late into the game of the NCAA games. Wow. Honestly, I know I was a big Call of Duty two on the PC guy, and then my brother got me into Halo two, and I played the absolute crap whoa, out of Halo whoa, three. Whoa, <laughs> am I doing a podcast on the Xbox guy? Hold on. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that changes everything, Stephen. It changes I mean, everything. Here's the thing. I'm not against PlayStation. My uncle had a, had a PS2. Or actually, no, it was, a, it was a original PlayStation that I grew up playing whenever I went over there. So so I'm I'm like, you know, I'm not against PlayStation, but there they don't are, have Halo. There, there are no neutral parties in the, in the council war. <laughs> there, there's no... There's no alliances here, only only to, war. To, to be fair, I've tried playing Halo like twice in my life, and just like couldn't do it. I, it just blew me away. I was just like so. <laughs> I was so, and I was a Call of Duty guy on the PlayStation and all, but yeah. my buddy's like, "Hey, come on over, man." I was like, I was in college. I was like, yeah, let's do, let's do the the Halo co-op stuff, and I just suck it. Just lost. <laughs> yeah, man. it looked cool though. It always looked cool, but man, oh, yeah, yeah, PlayStation guy all the way, all the way. Okay, but yeah, so I think only when NCAA 14, honestly, that was the first game I really, really got into. Wow. Um, and that... then me and my, my brother and, and some of our friends got into a dynasty, and we would like, we were really serious about it. Like, we would download, you could download the data of like the recruiting class. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could, like, we... Up until like, up until like January of this year, you still could. Yeah. yeah, and my brother used to download the data, and he wrote like an algorithm to find the recruits that would be gems like we were like seriously into that so so yeah i still play i i want to stream that i want to get back to playing that again in the off season that'd be a ton of fun but I'm with you man i'm with you actually so when me and garrett did the emco fish podcast version one yeah i um i i would always do the new michigan uniforms jordan yeah. and everything i would tweet them out 
but I'd also update the rosters. And I did two years in a row. I simulated the spring game rosters where me and Garrett would have a draft. <laughs> we'll have to do this this next spring game where me and you, yeah, me yeah. and Garrett would draft our teams for the spring game. Then we I would simulate it. His team kicked my butt twice <laughs> in a row, which was total crap. But whatever, uh-huh. whatever. Of course, yeah, yes. I know what I'm talking about, Stephen. Don't question <laughs> me. I feel it. Anyway, we need a new game, man. We need a new game. I, I, you know, if I were to beat you in a in a draft, it would feel, you know, it'd feel good and it would be great. But that's just the 2014 version. You know, we need an updated version yeah, so I, so I can really prove my uh my dominance in, in the game. That's what we have to do. I got to get you up here for a weekend. I spend a whole weekend <laughs> up with me in the off season, and I'm gonna introduce to you the PlayStation Two Dynasty mode for NCAA. Oh man. Far superior than the PlayStation Three or the Xbox 360 version, just in my mind, way superior. You'll love it. We'll it's a str- different game. We'll stream it. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll stream it. I mean, just the the way the Dynasty features worked, I think was. Made. Oh my god. Anyways, we are we are we are diving deep into the weeds. We have to. We do, are. We have to do a whole podcast on this someday. someday. We start start with Pokemon, Brad Hawkins. Then we went to to Twitter, back to Hawkins. And now we're on video games. That's right. We're full circle. We are millennial <laughs> podcasters here. Just like the rest of the world. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We're nothing new. Nothing special. I'm nothing special. You're <laughs> special because you make amazing hype videos, which you guys can find when you look them up on Twitter, at Steven Toski. Yep. Um, how you spell that? Steven, T-O-S-K-I, right? Correct. Yep. Correct. Steven with a P-H. Yep. Oh, Steven with a PH. There we go. Okay. So, and then you can find me on Twitter at David Arnold MI. David Arnold, the state of Michigan. So, David Arnold MI. Find Garrett Fishaw's website, MGOFish, who we are named after. Find him on Twitter at MGOFish. Uh, and then, Stephen, we'll be back next week to talk Middle Tennessee State University, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the, the Middle Tennessee. Rough Riders, I don't know what they are. The Broncos, something like that. There's the Pegasus a, or something. There's a horse. That's what their logo looks yeah, like. Yeah, there's a horse on their helmet. I don't know. We'll figure it all out. We'll be respectful at some point. Yes. Uh, with amazing coordinators, apparently. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk all that and more next week. You guys should hop on our season predictions, um, surveys, worksheets, pickums. I don't know what you want to call them, fantasy things. Uh, we'll link to that tomorrow on Twitter in the podcast notes. Do it to it. Uh, Until next time, Stephen, go blue. Go blue.